Welcome to the 44th Toronto International Film Festival. You lucky, lucky people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our Toronto International Film Festival review of Lucy in the Sky. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Except for in these few episodes, where we're going to be talking about films that we caught at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, this episode is uh, a review of Lucy in the Sky, which I believe is coming out pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think early October, so okay. in just a few weeks. Um, yeah, so you'll be able to see this soon, um, which you may or may not want to. <laughs> we'll get to it in just a second. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you say we jump in, Stephen? Yep. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Lucy in the Sky, and then we're going to come back and give you that review. Lucy. Time to wrap it up. Just a few more minutes. I saw my house from space. Not literally, but my life. There it is. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> Major Goodwin has a theory that he can tell who's walked in space just by looking at it. It is more than a theory. You keep your eye on this one. She'll show you how it's done. I'm so proud of you. Love you to the moon and back. You know Michael Collins? Of course, uh, Apollo 11 uh, flew the command module for Neil and Buzz. So you know that after he dropped them, he circled the moon for hours. Inside the module, he wrote, I am now truly alone and absolutely alone from any known life. I am it. I am it. I need to get back up there. It's not getting any younger. So you're just gonna have to work harder. Look at you, straight arrow. You've never done a thing wrong in your life. I've done plenty of things wrong. Really? Hit me. Dr. Plumpton said you skipped your last three sessions. I'm giving everything to this program, to the mission. Kills me to say it, but our girl's been pretty inconsistent recently. Cola aboard. Negative. I can finish. Cola. She's tough cookie. Get the latch off. Not everyone can handle the ride. I'm pulling you out of the running for a riot. No. If I were a man, you would... Excuse me? I know what you're doing, but you're gonna lose because I'm a winner. This is not a drill, cadet. Grab your stuff. What are you doing? With her, I'm officially beginning to worry. You're acting so strange. I'm good. All systems go. What's it like up there? Only place where anything makes sense. I hear that. All right, so that was the trailer for Lucy in the Sky. Um, it is the story of an astronaut who comes back from uh, a mission um, in outer space and has trouble readjusting to life down on the surface of the planet. <laughs> Stephen Miller, what did you think of Lucy in the Sky? 
Oh, Chris. <laughs> um, so the thing is, I I think both of us were reasonably excited for this movie from the trailers. Like maybe maybe not a hundred percent certain it would be good, but at least like intrigued by I was optimistically curious. Yeah, yeah, like curious what. <laughs> how the movie was going to go, how Natalie Portman was going to handle the character. And one one thing I let you know right after the screening is I knew the story of Lucy Cola. I had even, like, referenced, like, driving with diapers and stuff like that. But I somehow, like, it completely slipped my mind that this movie might just be literally about her story. Yeah. I kind of thought this was going to be, like, just a general movie about an astronaut slowly having an existential crisis and maybe it would be inspired by real events, but not like trying to strongly depict real events. And I'm just confused what this movie wanted to do. Because <laughs> So the director, Noah Hawley, came on stage at the beginning and he said he wanted to make a movie that really lets you sit with this character of Lucy, understand what she's going through, understand like the things that she's struggling with. And as far as I can tell, the only thing she's struggling with is, is in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, like like the the thing she is struggling with is she went to space. And, I mean, John Hamm literally says it in the trailer. You went to space. You saw the like enormity of everything, and now regular life doesn't cut it anymore. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's yeah, basically yeah. it. And that's a given up front. We know that's what we're gonna get. And I feel like this movie for its two hour runtime, like an hour and a half is just it beating that same drum over and over and over again. Um, I think like Natalie Portman does a fine job with what she's being asked to do, which is portray a character who is not one note, but is only like given one crisis to demonstrate all the time. Yeah. Uh, like you can see the, the, the real Lucy that she's trying to like build behind the scenes, like the, the kind of wit and sense of humor that she would have had, the the mix of some folksism to like the the strong woman who feels like she needs to succeed. Like, I, I think she does well with what she's given, but what she's asked to do is take this interesting character and just keep stripping her down, like making her like lose more and more and more of her grasp of sanity. And what starts as a movie that feels like a kind of loving portrait of a woman who is undergoing a crisis becomes by the end like either a comedy at her expense or like a a very poorly edited movie that's trying to make us empathize with her but like failing horribly um it just feels like it it got stuck with this need to be literally accurate to the story of lucy cola to the point where whatever themes it's trying to demonstrate like don't really work anymore like like, if it really is that she's having a crisis because she's depressed because she's seen the big world out there and now her life is too small, that doesn't explain the degree of delusion that happens later on. And, like, I, yeah. I know it's a real story, but it it's just not in service to anything. And it, it makes all the other characters feel so one-dimensional. Like, John Hamm just seems like John Hamm, basically. He's, like, <laughs> the improbably perfect hunky astronaut who knows just what to say at the right time to, like, psychoanalyze Lucy. Um yeah, it's just, it's a strange, strange movie. And I think it, the director wanted to do a bunch of stuff. One of them is this constantly shifting aspect ratio that he clearly wants to demonstrate, kind of like First Man did with Landing on the Moon. Like, space feels big compared to the small confines of your life down here. But it's just distracting as fuck. But, but, he, but he's not expanding it 
just for space scenes. He's expanding it for anything that's her sort of going off into her own little world. Yeah. And, and anything it, where she's widening her horizon in some yeah, way yeah. or another. But it's also things that are like her niece running around with sparklers, right? Like it's not, it's not a thing that is directly connected. It's just a, a chance for the filmmaker to try to go like, well, I think it'd be cool. There's one like particularly egregious moment in the film where um, we're, we're locked off in this mostly square aspect ratio, but it's all the way to the left. And then the field of view or the, like the, the viewpoint pans like old DVD pan and scan, Mm -hmm. um, except for zoomed out. So you just see the square view shift across the screen as the character passes between two rooms. And it's like, no, I this does this isn't accomplishing anything. This is like a really weird moment, and I don't like it. Yeah, I, I was telling you before that Javier Dolan in his uh, mommy or mama, I think is the French name. Like he does something kind of similar where he has a really claustrophobic aspect ratio, and then in one scene there's a very slow shift in it over time. And I think like it's a trick that can work really well if you use it once, like. At most, yeah. and it, even then, it should be subtle. This movie is just hammering it away, like every single scene. Um, yeah, it's just it's just too much. It's all over the place, and I don't know what what it wanted to tell me about anything because it doesn't seem like it's actually exploring the depths of this character. It's just telling us a crazy story with the tone that would suggest it's empathizing with her, but no actual substance to like help that. Yeah. So, so I was not outside of other people making jokes about it. I wasn't super familiar with the, the, the original story of this woman, Lucy Cola. Um, so I was mostly watching this film as just a person watching this film. And I think at the very start of it, um, I, I was kind of into what it was starting to do because what, like there was a, there, there, there is a very compelling film that could be made starting with this premise. I mean, it, it, it feels like it could be the opposite end of the coin of First Man. Mm-hmm. First Man is about a person who uh, has an understanding of the largeness of the universe and wants to achieve getting to, getting to go to the moon as a way... It, 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 he's, overcome, he's trying to overcome grief. He's also like driven immensely to get to the point where our character is at the beginning of... Lucy in the Sky. Mm. So I am 100% on board with, like, th- there's a scene where, um, shit, what's his name? Uh, Parks and Rec. Um, oh, oh yeah, Nick Offerman. Yeah, Nick Offerman. There, there, there's a scene where, like, Nick Offerman is talking about, um, like, journal entries, basically, from the guy who was going around the moon while everybody was walking on it. Yeah, while Buzz and, and Neil were on the moon. Yeah, and and... and that line is talking about like the aloneness that he felt and like being in space. Like there's a lot of compelling things in that scene where they're like, Hey, we know you're physically fine. You're way more physically fine than most of the men who came back from this mission. We're trying to make sure you're mentally okay because you just saw God, right? Like there's a really compelling thing there that I was like, you know, I've never really like thought about it from this standpoint. Like I'm, I'm totally stoked with where this is going. Like I'm really, I'm, I'm happy with this. And it takes this idea that you have been to a place that not many people have been to and you've seen everything from a vantage point that most people have not seen. And 
you realize that nothing back on the planet Earth matters because it's all inconsequential. Like it's like she's potentially going through an existential crisis that's not not just caused by like middle age or some something. It's caused by like the vastness of the universe comprehended from a vantage point that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to perceive. And that's all really, really awesome. But as her world starts to unravel, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with uh, really petty relationship stuff and, um, you know, being gaslit by a man. (laughs) Like it, 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 it turns from this like, woman who is an expert and is super awesome at her job and um should be sent on every single mission because she's like a superstar to like a crazy ex-girlfriend type character Mm. and it's just it's 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 such a strange like sure in real life this sort of thing happened but it just it feels like you start with a really compelling premise about what going to the experience of being in space can do to a person's mind and ends with the same place it could end if she never even went to space. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, it's just very, very strange. Um, it, it, it's just a, a strange desire to tell this story when it's not a joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, this could just be a comedy and the astronaut could be Melissa McCarthy and like <laughs> it could end with where it ends. Right. That's one way to tell the story. This feels like it wants to be really important and where it ends is not important at all. And um, it's – she just – it feels like it is played for laughs and it did get laughs towards yeah. the end of the film. Um, and it just it, – it doesn't it doesn't feel compelling. Um, and as, as you mentioned, the aspect ratios just feel incredibly obnoxious in a way where I'm like, I don't – and then there's – there's other stuff too, where as her world starts to deteriorate, she is like either imagining things or like it basically turns into like a horror film at a very, very tiny, slight level. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, this isn't Requiem for a Dream, right? Yeah. Where people on drugs are like seeing very, very strange things like it just it it, if i i don't know what was going on here um, but it didn't work (laughs) yeah i i I agree that it didn't work um i do want to say a few nice things about it because i didn't just a hundred percent hate the experience of watching this movie um one thing i liked is uh her nana nana character uh the mother of lucy uh ellen burston who is also the mom in the tale but is more famous for like the exorcist and a ton of classic movies too um she plays this like very fully realized kind of saucy old lady who has like uh you know a a kind of obnoxious set of life lessons that she's imparted to her daughter It, it kind of is of a piece with Honey Boy in that sense, where, like, she wants to take her shortcomings and make sure that her daughter doesn't have the same ones, and some of those desires transform into things that seem too extreme and exaggerated, and Lucy kind of will latch onto them in quite literal ways and then, like, make them worse. Um, But I I thought she... Every time she was on screen, I was usually, like, laughing. I I thought she was just a, a really nice side character who gives some context to the real Lucy, like the 
the human being that I think Natalie Portman is trying to be able to portray. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I think uh, Dan Stevens as her husband, I thought he was like very believable as, the as kind a, of as a wet blanket. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, like like the good natured schmuck. He's he's kind of like the 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 guy in Thunder Road at the beginning of Thunder Road before anything else <laughs> has happened to him, where he's just like the trying to do good and i don't know what's going on but i'm too fragile to know how to say it in any meaningful way but um, he, he's sort of playing like a it's like a weird bizarro stepford husband right where it's like he's too cheery and oblivious to everything that's going on it, it's it's sort of just like it it felt it was too off kilter to me right like it, it felt like it was in a strange world like yeah. it was too tongue-in-cheek i think yeah, I wish I had more compliments, but those are, like, actually the only ones. Um, I think, like, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it it feels like the director, he has this neat theme that he wants the story of Lucy to be about. Uh, kind of like an American beauty type thing of something snapped in you, and now you're not content with this idyllic life that you had before. You know, you you need something more, and you're willing to throw away your life to get it, right? Um and he's trying to draw lines like from everything Lucy goes through back to the space program. Like there are romantic steps that happen, get tied conspiratorially into space and her ability to go on the next mission and things like that. And like there are lines that he tries to draw that makes everything be about getting back up there again, like the addiction of being lost in this huge void. Um, but the problem is, like, she doesn't fit that theme. Like, maybe at the core, the thing that caused this probably did have to do with going to space. You know, that's a major life moment. Uh, she goes through a couple other major moments, too. And those probably could combine to have someone have a mental break and be in this manic, lucid state that she seems to be in for a while. Lucid state. <laughs> yeah. Zing. But every individual choice that she makes, like, just doesn't fit that mold. And I think the movie tries really hard to make it seem like a a powerful portrait of smallness and like what we would do when we're confronted with that reality. And the problem is 80% of the things Lucy does has little to do with that, even though he's straining really hard to connect the dots. Yeah. And, and I think that straining just makes it feel weirdly dramatic where it wants, it wants someone running with a blonde wig in the rain to be like a powerful thematic device like the culmination of this desire to be free but it isn't supported by the narrative at all because at this point we already are questioning why she's doing this and we're kind of laughing at her and scenes have been played for laughs just minutes prior and it, yeah it's just a, a muddled a muddled execution of whatever idea they had at the beginning and she also changes her like her personality changes her desires and what she wants change immediately mm -hmm. as soon as she meets certain characters and like the the person she was before that moment didn't seem susceptible to certain interactions right and i don't th like she can be having a break because of her like need to refill what it was like to just float outside the iss and just like being whatever um but i feel like it suddenly making her be this completely other character who falls into these like traps of different things. Like it's her behavior just seems so like, I don't see her character thinking that her actions make up for the thing that she's actually trying to chase. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it just, 
didn't really work for me. Nope. <laughs> um, so let's get to our official verdicts. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I, I've been debating this in my head all day because there's so much I don't like about this movie, but then I also can't deny that there's a lot of very talented people in front of the camera who I think are doing mostly good character work with the the kind of shitty card they've been dealt. So I'm, <laughs> I'm bumping this to pass with a caveat. I, I think it's poorly executed. I think the themes are jumbled. The caveat is that I don't think this is like a terrible movie to look at. I don't think it's painful to sit through. Like everyone is doing a pretty decent job selling the characters that they're given. And I think from moment to moment, you can enjoy it on that level. Like there are, there are little bits of humor. I think when Lucy's personality shines through all the kind of manic choices that she's making, I think like that can be pretty charming in its own, uh, yeah, Jodie Foster type of way. Like, like there's there's stuff there that I think is okay, but it's just really, really, really fumbled by a script that doesn't know what it wants to do and a director that played way too much with like Final Cut Pro or whatever, like trying to <laughs> modify the letterbox to say something about humanity or whatever the fuck he thinks he's doing. Yeah, like when he does the one shots where it's like a strip in the center of the screen. I feel like he was shooting in that bowling alley and he realized that there was already natural black bars within the scene with little bits of color on the outside of it. And he was like, man, what if I just like cropped it all the way down to this first section? And like mm-hmm. it just stuck. Yeah. And, and we didn't even mention so much of it looks like it just had an Instagram filter run through it to blur the top and bottom of oh, the yeah. screen. And again, I don't, I don't understand what he wanted. It just feels yeah. kind of sloppy. And I can't tell whether those were on purpose or accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, I feel like the first... 15 minutes of this film were at like a recommend with a caveat <laughs> and then as the film went on it slowly passed to wait for rental a challenger situation to, <laughs> a challenger situation <laughs> it, it basically it got it got to all the way down to pass to the caveat and then they're like give it full thrusters and then kaboom <laughs> it, it ended with a must avoid mm-hmm. uh but yeah <laughs> That's probably going to do it with for our review of Lucy in the Sky. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from something related to the festival, so hopefully you're enjoying that and uh yep we are gonna take off and uh yeah maybe record another one before we go to sleep (laughs) bye this is canadian content and it's time we take credit for it starting now oh canada